Welcome back to Revelatorium, the podcast that comes around once a month, just as often as the landscapers that my landlord hired come by to clip at the little green green and colorful things in front of my place, uh, which is nice. It's nice to have that like physical manifestation of time passing because a lot of times I will truly not know how many days, weeks have passed until I see them outside of my place. And then I'm like, oh my God, it's been 30 to 31 days and I had no idea. You know, like you would think, you would think a like written calendar and seeing the date on your phone every day would help you acknowledge the passing of time. But truly and honestly, it's usually the physical world that helps me understand like, oh, that flower was not blooming before I went to Denver and now it is. And that took so in those five days, like I've seen so much progress. Like it's so helpful to have like natural reminders that time is passing. Um, In Seattle, it's like pretty easy because there is just so much weather variability. But when I was in California, actually, San Francisco and LA both share this, but in very opposite dimensions, like the weather is so consistent every single day that it's hard to know like what season you're in. Like in San Francisco, the only month that really feels different is October. It gets actually, I can't comment on San Francisco anymore because I keep the city on my weather app because I like checking in on, you know, my former place of residence. And the weather has been warm, bright, sunny, rainy, snowy, like it's been just all over the place erratic. So as the climate crisis continues to crisis, like I might not be able to comment on these things anymore. But October typically is the one month of sun in San Francisco. And then every other month, it's like super, super cloudy, overcast, um, foggy, you know, 55 degrees. And in the summer, it's actually colder. And then Los Angeles, when I lived there, it was like truly Groundhog Day because every single day I would just wake up and it was just like the same weather. So it was so hard to determine unless it was just like blisteringly hot, like and then you knew it was summer, like what season you're in. But here it's like, there's so many little changes. Like once, once the cherry blossoms start to bud and they bloom, then they, they turn purple and then they fall off. And then the leaves come. It's like, oh my God, I'm really feeling like life is moving forward and I can choose whether I move forward with that or not. Not to get like so esoteric at the beginning of of the episode, but I did just read a book called Saving Time by Jenny O'Dell. So I've been thinking a lot about the passage of time. And she talks a lot about, she introduces some brilliant concepts. I really recommend that book. It's like such a Bay Area deep cut because she's from Silicon Valley and now she lives in Oakland. So there were so many random like little references that I was like, what? It's just nice. It's nice when somebody lives in not a first city. And I was just talking to my friends at at the beach. That's right. I went to the beach because Seattle got our first 70 degree day. And that folds right into one of the major topics we'll be talking about today, which is dopamine surges and crashes. But anyway, I was telling one of my friends at the beach about, (laughs) I guess I had introduced this concept of like first cities and second cities, because I'm a second city girl. And I know that about myself. And when I lived in LA, I was like, do I not like this city because it's LA or because it's just like too big? And I genuinely think like cities like Los Angeles and New York, like their first cities, like they're so massive in terms of like relevancy, like not even just population, but just like clout. Like everyone is always thinking about LA and New York. And if you live in one of those two cities, like you're usually not thinking about the residents of Denver or Austin or Seattle. Like you're so consumed by this massive city, like nothing else really like glances um, 
like grazes your sort of attention span. And um, the Bay Area is like pretty, pretty big. Like it's pretty close to like a first city, but it's definitely still like secondary. Um, and so it's nice when you see like an author or an, a creative or an artist living in a second city and creating stuff there because it's just refreshing when you see things from a different point of view than like these two major cities in the U.S., Although I will say I really did enjoy my time living in Shanghai in China. And that is that is not the biggest city in China, I'm pretty sure. But it's like 26 million people. Um, so there, there's not there's a reality in which I do live in a first city. But like I know in my heart, I might even be a third city girl. Like I might be a Bozeman, Montana girl. Like I might be a mountain town girl. And that's like even less relevant than Seattle like if I moved when I moved to Seattle people were questioning it because it wasn't LA or New York and then if I moved to Bozeman tomorrow people would be like why although if you look at me you might not be so confused anymore so um but anyway Jenny O'Dell's do you like how we're we're traversing through the circles of my brain and then picking them back up in reverse order um because I do uh that just tickles me um Jenny O'Dell wrote this book about saving time and she's the one that wrote how to do nothing about sort of like the attention economy and slowing down and this book was in a similar vein right about time and the economics the politics the culture of time like it's it it was like an anti-productivity book because I used to spew time time advice all the time on my channel of like how to maximize your studying time and da, da 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 and I think we've gotten to a point of like productivity accelerationism like people have just taken it to its logical extreme and its logical conclusion like I thought I caused some harm while I was in college like spewing the hustle culture stuff that I was spewing but now I see videos on YouTube of people doing like 12 hour study with me videos and I'm like thank god I never got there but I just want to shake those people and be like just think critically like just think for a second about what you're doing here because it's like you can't like beat the system like Time is the great equalizer. We all have the same amount of time, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter what background you come from. Um, But obviously, the things in your life influence your sense of time. So I won't get too much into that book, but she did. The the landscaper thing and the passage of time reminded me of this distinction she made between chronos and kairos, which are two Greek words for time. And chronos is like the linear passage of time. Like it's 3 p.m. now. It's 4 p.m. now. It's 5 p.m. now. Like understanding just like looking at the calendar, time is passing. And kairos is more about sort of like the spontaneous like 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 blips or like periods of time that you can't really define it's like such a like wishy-washy maybe i'll wait for the fact check next episode to get you the proper definition because i kind of enjoy um having lena my fact checker my wonderful fact checker pick those up on the on the end um and we'll get into fact checking today before we do our taking and leaving for the month um but yeah landscapers coming is kairos seeing that it's May 1st is Kronos. So um, I enjoy Kairos. Like I like thinking about time as just like, what am I noticing around me that proves to me that time is passing? And like last year, Seattle's first 70 degree day was also in April. And this year it's later in April, but it's like, oh, I remember this time of year. Like I have a sensibility for that. So it's, it's special in that way. Um, But this month was a majorly disturbed disturbed month thank you thanks to a chemical called dopamine that absolutely rotted my brain for five days and 
pretty much robbed me of my usual revelatory practices that I bring to this this foray because I was just I was rotting like not much deliberation was happening I was truly in a hole and I've talked about this a little bit on one of the podcast episodes I did um, on my Patreon about the come down from a sober high because a lot of people need I don't know. A lot of people seek out substances to give them a high, to give them euphoria, to mimic what it's like to just have like dopamine pouring into your brain. Like stimulants do that. When I was on Wellbutrin, I always felt like I was in like some form of like a hypomanic state because I just was so deliriously dopaminergic. And I had just, I was always firing like that. Um, And I talked about, I'm pretty sure on the Patreon episode, I'll have to go rewatch that. I talked about it in the context of coming back from Mexico City. And that is exactly... Actually, I got hit with dopamine withdrawal twice this month. Like I did it to myself, not once, but twice in one month, which is kind of a record. Like usually if I have this type of dopamine withdrawal, it's like once a quarter, if that. Um, Because I like to give myself these big, exciting events to look forward to. And then I forget that on the backside of that, you have to reckon with, oh, ends, conclusions, things are over, they'll they'll be in the past. And that always hits me um, much harder than I expect it to. But basically, what I set up for myself this month... um, I th- I think it was a might have been a worse dopamine withdrawal than Mexico City, which was like a week with eight friends in a foreign country, music festival, food, power houring, dancing, all the full nine yards, as it were. Um, and this month, it was one weekend where I decided I would have two of my beloved friends, Miss Tiffany Ferguson and Sheridan, big big daddy poopy head is her um, pseudonym. Uh, come visit me in Seattle. I love having visitors. And because like 80% of my friends are long distance friends, like I find that I like to have maybe like a visitor a month is kind of a nice thing. In the summer, I've realized I max out at two. Last summer, I had them pouring in because it was like my first full summer living here because I moved in August the year prior. And I stacked it too high. And then it all kind of came falling down because I had no time for myself. I like really reached extroverted accelerationism where I just was like how far can I just like juice up my social battery before it's actually like on the fritz like you don't you don't think you can charge a battery too full but I was like oh no I'm too full um so I've learned to peel it back a bit but um I will say for those of you that moved to a new city like I'm two years in and I still feel like I need to have the support of my long distance friends here to really feel rooted and grounded because I have a solid handful of friends here, but it's a handful. And as an extrovert, it's like, I just want to see these people all the time. There's going to be some changes coming in my life that will guarantee more social connection for me. Um, And so I'm making a YouTube video about that. But I had Sheridan and Tiffany come visit me for five days, and I also met my crush, and then I had three book clubs end that same weekend. So I was running a 12-week Artist's Way workshop, which is like basically how to recover your creative self um, and essentially like improve your relationship to your own creativity and art because most of us are creative but we have it so blocked and we're so resistant to it we don't let ourselves indulge in it 
And it was such a profound experience. Like I, I, I didn't want to leave it because it was such a mainstay of my life. And in some ways it was pretty restrictive because I had to at 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. on on Sundays and at 5 p.m. on Mondays, I had to be on Zoom and I would be traveling. I would want to see friends, but it was like, no, I have to block off this one night, you know, twice a week, which might not seem like a big deal. But for three months straight, once a week, having a commitment, like, and especially because my life is a little bit chaotic, like, and I was the only one facilitating. It was like, if I don't show up, like, it's not happening. Like, I have to be there. And there was one night that they were doing Fleetwood Mac at the Laser Dome, and my best friend Ellie was in town, and we're both huge Fleetwood Mac heads. And we went, and I nearly cried to Songbird. Rest in peace, Christine McPhee. Love you so much. Um, and so I did reschedule one. But for 11 out of 12, or actually since there were 36, for 35 out of 36, I was there and doing doing the doing the damn thing. So it was just like such a regular source of joy and comfort and I saw the rewards of like getting to meet with a, a lot of you um god I, I could talk about it forever I actually wrote I wrote I wrote a little bit in my leaving section that I'll just touch on now because like I'm just so proud of making that happen um the the final weekend like tears were shed I watched multiple transformations happen in like multiple dimensions like gender sexuality job like places that people are living, friendships, like people were making really, really big, like transformations in their lives. And it's like so cool that I get to know you all in that way. And so I thought it'd be fun since Tiffany and Sheridan are in my like internet friends one that I had on Sundays to have them be here for the last one. But then I realized Sunday night when that crashed and then Monday when I dropped them at the airport and had my final book club, I was like, oh, it's over. Like usually just seeing friends, two beloved friends for five days and having them basically cosplaying, having them as my roommates for five days, that's usually enough to send me into a pit of despair because I it it, it shows me what my life is lacking. Like I don't like I I I yeah, I don't get to see people for five days straight. I love my friends here. I love my friends here, but I don't I don't see them every single day. Like I don't have that relationship with anybody right now. And I live alone. So it kind of like opened up this like void of like, oh, what could be, you know, like what life could be like if I lived on a beautiful, blessed commune, um, which is actually what Sheridan was alluding to in the vlog that I put on my Patreon. Sorry, I plug my Patreon all the time, but I just like love it over there. It's just like good shit over there. <laughs> I say as I literally created it, <laughs> like, but in, in a way the Patreon community is kind of co-created. Anyway, I had a friend here that was like, you need to stop talking about your Patreon on your podcast because it feels like an ad and I have to skip through it. And I'm like, okay. So anyway, so once Monday night hit and those three events coincided and disappeared in within 24 hours, I was sunk. Okay. And like, it, it, it felt like deprivation. Like it felt like I had had an influx of so much dopamine similar to what would happen if you like took a drug and then this was the come down like this was the come down and I don't do drugs for the reason that I don't fare well with come downs I don't know how people just accept that I don't 
I refuse to accept it. I'm like, there has to be a version of my life where I can apply some sort of aftercare after the situation and avoid having the crisis that I have after these really wonderful, like spectacular weekends. So I was not doing well listening to a lot of born to die, which is like one of the main symptoms I find of uh, dopamine withdrawal. I was writing poetry and I know it's, I know, I know I'm down bad if I'm writing poetry. Like I know things are not quite right with my psyche. If I am pulling out the notes app and writing iPhone poetry and putting it on my little, um, on my little, uh, private Instagram account that I keep for my poetry um, that I do think I'll do uh, some readings from at some point over on my Patreon. But that's the last time I'm saying this word, that word, this whole episode. Okay. So yeah, those were the symptoms. Um, A lot of just feeling just totally depraved and like just no sense of up from down. I just felt like I was stuff. I was just trying to stuff myself full of dopamine again, but nothing was working. Like my tolerance had gotten so that's what it is. The tolerance I had, I had sort of acclimated to from my friends being there from the book clubs, from meeting my crush, all of that was like so abundant and just high that nothing I could do would get me back to that level. Like nothing I could do in my own little apartment could get me back to that level. I tried um, a lot of different things, namely watching TV, watching YouTube, listening to podcasts, listening to music. Um, I was continuing to make my own art. You know, I was editing videos. I was still going to the gym. I was, I, I, honest to God, though, I could barely eat. Like it was truly a physical like physical experience, I did, I lost my appetite, like my dopamine was so withdrawn. So I was depressed in that way. It was like a depressive episode. But it, but it was like, I feel like depression when I experienced it was like, no, maybe it was a lack of dopamine because Wellbutrin did solve it. And that was like mainly dopamine. So I don't know, I had, I basically had a depressive episode, but I'm calling it dopamine withdrawal freefall because I could tell that I was fiending for dopamine. And the way I was usually fiending for it was turning to, to turning to screens, which gave me nothing. Go girl, give us nothing. Like TikTok did nothing for me. Twitter did nothing for me. Instagram did nothing for me. YouTube did very little for me. Like it just nothing would regulate me and get me back to like a place of stability. It took five days. And then one day I walked out of my house and I looked up at the tree and there were these red little buds on it and it made me happy. And I was like, oh, I'm back to experiencing dopamine through simple little things again, because before it would have taken a big dramatic thing to get my to hit my tolerance level because I'd gotten to a point where I was like, like such a dopamine junkie. And then I kind of I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that word. That is like a pejorative word. But I'm trying to say like a like a dopamine like stoner, like I had gotten to a point where I was like so habitual with it, like I would gotten to such an extreme point with it. Um that I had to like reset basically. And the way that I did that was actually by depriving myself further. I was like, okay, if these little tiny hits of dopamine are not phasing you, let's just reset the system completely and not engage. And I listened to a podcast from my friend Cam. No, it wasn't their podcast, but they sent it to me. Um, I'll have Lena pick it up on the fact check or I'll put it in the description of this episode. Check out the description and leave this a rating while you're at it if you would like. 
Um, but I listened to a podcast about dopamine regulation and how just messed up we are and how few of us have a healthy relationship to dopamine anymore because we are just being fed. Like we no longer like choose to access dopamine. It is just being fed into us all of the time, namely through our phones and our phone addiction. Like phone addiction is is dopamine addiction. Like we are addicted to our phones because we crave the dopamine from it so much. So if you can find a way to just like peel that back her recommendation on the podcast she's like a scientist or a researcher in this was like whatever your source of dopamine is if it's video games if it's um your phone whatever it is if it's i don't i don't even know whatever it is whatever else it could be take a 30 day break from it which if you listen to i think episode three i did a media deprivation week for the artist way and that was so healing and restorative because it really did reset my dopamine cycles. And by the end of it, I didn't feel like I was fiending to watch something all the time. And I could just wash my dishes in silence or eat lunch in silence in a way that I would have never been able to before. So I was like, okay, I think I just need to return to that and apply that again in a smaller way, like do a fast essentially. And I think well, I'll, I'll explain what I did basically, which was not to just not use my phone all day, but just not use it until noon. I was like, okay, don't let yourself start your day on the dopamine fritz. Like start slow. And I do morning pages every day, which is three pages stream of consciousness. It basically like cleanses my brain. It's meditation for me. And that is like, I had never put it together before, but that is truly like my main dopamine regulation. I knew it was emotionally regulating, but I think also dopamine wise, looking at a piece of paper and using a pen, the first thing you do when you wake up doing that, really healthy. Because I already charge my phone outside of my bedroom, so I'm not looking at that first thing when I wake up. Um, But, you know, writing my morning pages, making my bed, washing my face, brushing my teeth, putting my moisturizer, doing my bathroom routine, putting on my gym clothes, making breakfast, like, going to the gym. And then after I obviously going to the gym, I have um, my phone with me, but then coming home, maybe not touching my phone until like make lunch, you know, um, like really trying to hold off because I know as soon as you engage with it, it's like so hard to restrain yourself. And now I'm like, maybe I should do like a one day. Maddie Drawsbeck actually inspired me because she was in the book club too. And she says that she doesn't pick up her phone till 12 p.m. And I'm like, I should get into that. And um, I know Lindsay Rem as well, two of two beautiful pals I have made on the internet. She does, or she at least at one point was doing like Sunday, no social media day. And I think it would be good for me to do like a one day dopamine fast every week and just like really truly reset it'd be great if i had a car and could just like fuck off into the woods that's my favorite way to do a dopamine reset and i could feel it when i was in the dopamine withdrawal this week that i really wanted to just be in the woods because there is no more like beyond the media deprivation week the last time i had a deprivation week was doing trail work for a week in the mountains of washington and after i came back from that i did not want to turn my phone back on i was like keep it off so i was like really really craving um being in in the great outdoors like obviously i live in a beautiful nature-filled city so i can ride my bike and i see nature all the time i'm looking at it right now at my window but being like immersed in it no cars no buses no um technology that kind of thing and fortunately five months ago i booked a trip to denver for i guess 
the week after I, I had that whole cataclysmic dopamine free fall. So I knew, okay, if I can just hold on for like 10 days, I'll be in Denver and uh, I can basically experience it all over again. But then the problem was, you guys, I told you I did it to myself twice. Then I was in Denver for five days with my middle school best friend and her partner experiencing this new city I've always wanted to visit. The sun was beating down in a way I hadn't felt in months and months and months. I got a sunburn on my nose, which is to me like a pretty good sign that you experience some dopamine. I don't promote sunburns, but I literally did not give a fuck. I was on the rooftop like I had my hat on. You know, I put sunscreen on in the morning, but I was like, I don't care if I'm getting burned right now. This literally feels like I'm oozing dopamine. Like I was being recharged. It was so, so good. Um, so I kind of knew when I was in Denver, I was like, oh shit, when I leave, am I going to fall off again? Am I going to fall off again? And I was so wary of it because it was so recent in my memory that I'm very sensitive to like these things that when I got back to Seattle, best thing, true luxury, true luxury is being able to book yourself a flight in the middle of a day. Like if you don't have to fly home at 9 p.m. or at 7 a.m., but rather like a 12 p.m., 1 p.m., 2 p.m. flight, oh my God, that is the best way to do it because then I was literally back in my apartment by 3 p.m. I could like you know, water my plants, clean some things, put away some clothes. I had, a, I had a call. And then after the call ended for my political project, I was like, time to hit the streets, time to do some urban hiking. Um because it was free, it was National Mango Lassi Day. And uh, so I got myself a free Mango Lassi and went on a nice little walk. And not one, but two friends FaceTimed me during it. And the whole purpose of that walk was to wander because I'd seen a TikTok about the value of wandering. And I, again, talking about the sort of temporality and, and the kairos of it all, I hadn't wandered in Seattle since like, I don't know, October. Like I hadn't done it in a while. And I remember looking back at my photos from this time last year, like once the sunset started to hit past 8 p.m. here, I would do a lot of these like walks around my neighborhood where I would just kind of like start off in one direction and then just kind of like follow where the wind blows. And those are so precious. And this time I was really intentional about it. Like truly just go wherever you want. So I kind of followed the mountains, I followed cats, I followed bunnies, I followed flowers, I followed beautiful gardens, I followed cool architecture, I followed trains, um, the sound, like uh, somehow ran into like multiple couples on what seems like first or second dates. And I was like, guys, I'm not trying to ambush you. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to wander. Uh, so it was such a healing thing to it was like a little dopamine hunt I was like let me look for these little natural sources of dopamine before I fall off too entirely because even on the plane ride home from Denver I was feeling lonely I was feeling like it is so that is the craziest thing is how finely attuned I am to like socialization like the if I'm spending five days with people you would think you would think that that would top my social battery up and there's no way it would drain. But literally as soon as I left and I was on the plane alone, it was draining. And I was like, okay, when I get back to Seattle, like who do I know there? Who can I spend time with? I texted a couple people and didn't get responses. So I was like, everyone hates me and no one wants to hang out with me. And I'm going to have to just like go to the beach alone this weekend, which is fine, which is fine. But 
like, how come I don't have friends here? Like, maybe I need to move to Denver. Like, I was just on the fritz. So I was like, already feeling like I'm gonna step, step into the into the darkness. So stepping into the light of the sunset and like going out on the walk was so helpful. I would recommend that uh, as a piece of aftercare. I did indeed FaceTime three friends, but between the hours of. Oh, when did Cam call me? I can't remember, but I I basically FaceTimed three friends that day. And maybe this is not rare, but like recently people have been kind of asking me like how I live alone and like what I do. And I'm like, guys, I literally FaceTime somebody every single day. Like there are very few days that go by that I'm not FaceTiming with somebody or at least like actively sending audio messages back and forth. Like it is my lifeline. Um, because I have so many long distance friendships as well. So it's like, I'm not FaceTiming people that live in Seattle. I'm FaceTiming my friends that live elsewhere. So FaceTiming friends really helped to assure me. And then I started to make a little list of like, what is dopamine hygiene to me? Because they're in the podcast, she talked about sources of dopamine that are kind of like, can can be reckless for you, like video games for sure, social media for sure, you know, TV, um, YouTube, entertainment, those types of things can can really kind of send you awry. But music was one category, which is interesting. Music was one category where she was like, you can listen to as much of that as you want. It's not going to like disturb your dopamine cycles. And interestingly enough, in the artist's way, music was also the one form of like media that Julia Cameron said that you could continue to listen to. And I've noticed that like when I am doing any type of chore, if I'm listening to music, I won't get off track. But if I'm watching a YouTube video or a podcast, sometimes I will, it'll just take me longer. And you can experiment with it, but it'll just take me longer no matter what. And I don't even notice myself consciously watching the video. I think of it as, oh, it's just on in the background. But no, like it's in the foreground in some respect. So um, I try to keep a list of like, what sort of what when is it okay for me to like go on social media and like watch tv and whatnot and and when do i want to engage in those activities so i can be more mindful about their role in my life like if i'm not doing a full fast of it like at least just acknowledging the the like the usual um like uh amount that i want to engage with it so that's kind of all i've gotten so far in terms of how to treat dopamine withdrawal freefall and now that I went viral on TikTok, I'm experiencing another little like miniature version of that because you would think basically I had this whole thing where I made this TikTok about this little mystery I was trying to solve at my gym and now it has like 14 million views. I got 170,000 followers as of today's recording off this one TikTok. So I have more, I have like 180,000 followers on TikTok now, which is more than I've ever had on YouTube in 11 years. And I got 180,000 followers on TikTok in 72 hours. And I knew that that was the power of TikTok and that you could, you could have that type of growth there. But I was just like, what is happening? Like John Green commented, Google commented, like a bunch of people, I gained a bunch of mutuals from it. Like it's kind of exploded. Um, and it's had some ricochet effects in my life now where now I'm actually like a little uncomfortable going to the gym because I'm like uh this is really visible now um and uh so yeah that event like initially I was staying up late checking checking the updates trying to make sure I stayed on top of it um but thankfully 
thankfully, Seattle was looking out for me because she hit me with two 70 and 75 degree days literally right after that TikTok took off. So I was like hammocking at the beach. Then I was like laying out at the beach, swimming, biking. So I was spending so much time outside that I I wasn't just like holed up in my room, like staring at my phone. Um, If those two days, like the nice thing about Seattle is when it's, Seattle tells you what to do. Like when the weather is nice, it's like, don't work. And then today, you know, it's like 60 degrees out. It's actually a beautiful day, but it's like, okay, because it's not like balmy, I feel okay being in here and recording this while it's light out. Um, So it was nice that Seattle kind of like counterbalanced that because I easily could have just been like on my phone, like constantly just like getting way too deep into it. The thing is, this isn't my first rodeo with social media fame. Like I've had a few things go semi-viral and like viral in my lifetime. So I know kind of like what happens from that. And it's usually more pain than it's worth, (laughs) which, you know, there's obviously like, I don't know if I'm actually going to like, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you gain a lot monetarily from it. And I'm like, okay, I've actually made zero cents um, so far from this TikTok thing. So what I've gained is becoming, guys, guys, I'm now mutuals with Paige Wassel on TikTok. I think I talked about her on this podcast because I think I was talking about the oomph to mutual pipeline, like people I aspirationally want to be like mutuals with and friends with online. And she was on there and this one viral TikTok was worth it because now we're mutuals and I sent her a message. She hasn't responded yet, but I'm like, my eyes are set on you, Paige. I love your content. I love your charisma. I think that we have a lot of a lot in common. And I would love to introduce you to some of my other internet pals because I think you would get along great with them. But yeah, that was another dopamine surge that I'm still sort of like handling and like getting my my head around um, because it's just like a lot of attention and a lot of like frenzy and people are, are very invested in the situation. So I'm trying to make sure that I can like maintain my sense of peace because usually I delete TikTok off my phone unless I'm making something that's like a good rule is like you delete the delete the social media app unless you're creating because creation I never feel like drained from it's only the consuming that I feel drained from so um now I just have it on my phone all the time so I found that my screen time has been pretty bad pretty pretty bad i just would love to have my screen time go down a lot (sighs) okay that was my nice little ramble about my main sort of experience of the month like i don't even have really like many revelations to share with you besides just dopamine regulation because i told you it it robbed me i was robbed blind by the dopamine deprival okay but let's let's get into the fact check this week, shall we? Hi all, this is Lena Daniel back with the fact check of episode four of Revelatorium. In the very first few minutes, Catherine mentions that it's her first time wearing a dress in 2023, and this is simply not true. In February 28th, um, she posted a photo of her at a friend's wedding simply wearing a dress, so that was not her first time. Um, okay. Moving on. Here is where I fact check the fact checker. February 28th, Oh, wait, no, you're right. She was right. She was right. I did wear a dress. I did wear a dress. Thank you, Lena. Thank you, Lena. Literally A plus fact checker work. Let's all give her props. Um, Moving on to flirt talk where um, 
Catherine mentions a person on a podcast that she couldn't remember the name of. She was trying to think of Andrea Long Chu, who quoted, giving the person talking to you the opportunity to express their attraction to you. Moving on towards the end of the episode with everybody else's uh, revelations of the month, a homo universalis refers to an honorable person who develops all of his or her faculties and skills. This person not only has made contributions in science, but also has a legacy in the arts as a writer or any other philosophical thought um, or disciplines. Essentially, just talking about a person with a wide ranging knowledge or learning. Um, towards the end of the episode, Catherine mentions that you're in the home run of the episode. I think you were meant to say uh, in the home stretch, meaning you've almost reached the end, uh, as opposed to home run, which assumes that you've already won or accomplished something. Thanks again for tuning in. Oh, that was perfect. I'm so grateful for Lena. She does such an excellent job, like truly excellent, excellent work. Okay, so let's get into what I am taking and leaving from April this massive, massive month. Number one, one thing I really developed in April was analyzing people as my foils. And for the eagle-eyed viewers out there that watched my Vlogmas series, you will have maybe heard that on day 24, I mentioned that my sister is my foil. And that was a conclusion I came to back in December, but I've I have sort of fleshed it out further this month. Um, I say that my sister's my foil because we both, well, first of all, let me describe what a foil is because I realize a lot of people um, do not remember every single thing that they learned in their high school English class. And maybe they didn't even teach this. But a foil is a literary term for basically a character that is um, in the plot to accentuate, highlight, contrast with the protagonist, with the main character, to bring out and highlight their character traits. Like when you have somebody, if everyone's super similar to the protagonist, you're not going to really understand what sets that person apart and what makes them them. But if you have someone that's kind of their their alter or like their their dual sort of person, then you can see what makes them them. And my sister is that for me because we grew up in the same household, but we look very different. Like she approaches her life in a very different way. Like we just go about our business in two completely different ways. And so it's like, I feel, I genuinely feel like when people meet my sister, they see me clearer, right? Like, and I, and you can feel that way when you meet someone's parents as well. You're like, okay, now I see why you are the way you are. Or I can see that you like resisted something about your parents and now you're contrasting with them because of that. So it's always clarifying when you can identify like your foil. And I've enjoyed over the last like month, like kind of picking, picking at different people and being like, Oh my God, she's kind of her foil. Don't you think? Don't you think like they grew up in a similar way, but they like turned out completely different. And when I was in Denver, I made the the uh, observation that I think that this is this is coming from five days in Denver and like two and a half days in Austin. I think Denver, which love to posture having very little to no information. That's the best way to do it. Strong opinion loosely. No. Yeah. Strong opinion loosely held. Um, I think Denver is Austin's foil because when I was in Austin, well, first of all, just from like a landscape perspective, Austin is a water-based city. People move there because they want to be on Lady Bird Lake. They want to be in all the watering holes and the swimming spots. Like that's what people do in Austin. They get out on the water. It's like a water town. There's not mountains. And I know Texans are going to argue with me. 
If you think you have mountains, check the topography, babe. Check the topography of the U.S. The mountains are all on the west side, okay? There's mountains on the east side, but like I'm talking about really, and this is the the California elitism. I'm talking about those pointy ass rocky type mountains. I'm not talking about like just tall things. I'm talking about really pointy snow-capped mountains, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Denver doesn't have those. Sorry, Austin doesn't have those. Denver's got them in spades. Denver's a mountain city. Like the actual the actual town of Denver is flat, but you're there because you're so close to all or seemingly close to all the mountains, but it's not a water city. Like people, where are the swimming spots there? It, it didn't feel like people are trying to get out on the water. There's not like a massive river running through it. There's not a massive lake. It's not like Seattle where there's the sound, there's lakes, there's canals, there's alpine lakes, there's rivers, there's, you know, um, you can go to the ocean if you want to drive a while. So I feel like from a landscape perspective, those two are contrasting that way. And then also just from like a cultural standpoint, I feel like Austin has gone hyper-capitalistic. Like I saw a lot of crypto billboards when I was there. I saw a billboard for some company that was an uh, advertising uh, adventure capitalists. And I was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what they think that that means. But it just felt like they had gone full tilt into just like techno dystopia versus Denver. I saw these little signs like on the side of the road that were kind of like promoting being like an upstanding citizen or like it was just like more more wholesome. I felt like I feel like the spirit of that city hadn't been corroded by tech And so it felt like it was what Austin could have been had Joe Rogan not bombed the city with his with his odor is how it feels. Also, I'm really into right now calling really elementary. I'm taking this from April because I don't want to leave this. I think it's a funny bit and I want to take it into May at least. And then maybe we can renew it into June or maybe you let it expire. You know, it's nice to see what the half life on your bits are. And that's also why I like to document my life like this, because in a year I can go back to this podcast and be like, oh, I I retired that bit in, in April 2023. Maybe I'll resurrect it and it'll be vintage in a couple of years. But lately I've been calling really elementary or like ancient things technology like, oh, that's good tech um, like paper. That's really good tech. Like That's some good tech. You know, we were we were hiking in Rocky Mountain National Park and May, my friend, put her like her Flash 22 backpack, like her hiking backpack on this tree that had a bunch of little like kind of nubs from like where branches used to be. And I was like, oh, my God, it's literally like a coat rack. Like trees are such good tech. Like that's amazing technology. And I think it's fun. The reason I like doing that is because it kind of subverts our like interpretation of what technology means. Like I think a lot of us are like technology is AI and like pushing things to the most extreme digital way that we can. But I'm like, the most honest technology has been around, has been around. Like, let's stop thinking of technology as like, you need to, you need to like add a thousand levers. I'm like, sometimes, sometimes the best technology has been in the ground for centuries, for centuries. Okay. What am I leaving? I kind of already talked about a lot of this. But uh, I'm going to leave I'm going to leave taxes. This was the first year that I did my taxes by myself. And we'll see. We'll see, IRS, uh, what you think, what you think of my work. OK, and now we get to do our beloved, our beloved 
deep dive into your responses. I get to react to what you all thought of this month and what you all have to say about a couple of these revelations, although I didn't really revelate too much this month. But the first first question we'll address is, what are you leaving? I'm leaving taxes. What are you leaving in April? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. And Anonymous, who's 24 in Minneapolis, said that she is leaving mindlessly consuming alcohol. I don't drink super often, but when I do, it doesn't necessarily enhance my experience. For example, when I go to a concert, I'll usually get a drink just because that's what I've always done. I've discovered that even just having one drink leaves me less present and more tired than I'd like to be. I'd like to have more mindful. I'd like to be more mindful of the experiences I want to have and how alcohol contributes to or takes away from those experiences. I love this. I I don't think there's ever a max amount that you can contemplate your relationship to substances in your life. Like I think that's a very healthy thing to do. And um, I've gotten to a really great point now where like I was at the beach. Yeah, I just can't stop talking about how I was at the beach. Did you guys know that I was at the beach? I was at the beach and one of my friends brought White Claw and they were like, oh, do you want some? And I'm like, no, like I'm like relatively sober. And they were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I should have brought like non-alcoholic drinks. And I was like, oh, it's not like triggering for me. I just... I just have identified that the only times I feel like it was the right decision to drink and that it was worth it and that it actually augmented my experience is if I'm around a campfire or I'm power houring. Those are like the only two times where I'm like, yep, that is when I find it like redeeming to drink. And so I like hearing that um, you're figuring that out for yourself. Okay. Abigail, who's 22 in Nassau. Nassau? It's Bahamas. (laughs) I know that much. Maybe that'll be a a fact check. She's leaving insecurities over how I act in social situations. I've been pretty confident in social scenarios for the past few few years now, but lately this month, I've noticed after once I leave a hangout with a friend, I've been beating myself over stuff I've said, not what I would consider cool or just being really hard on myself, scared that I'm being annoying, etc., I've experienced a lot of a growth a lot of growth this past year post grad and I'm thinking maybe it's because I don't recognize myself as much anymore and this has been a really hard and at times isolating period for me. Whatever the reason is, I would like to return to my self-assured and bubbly self moving forward. And I really relate to this. And well, you're 22? Yeah. Yeah. Much love and support to my 22-year-old listeners out there because that's a dark time in in my history, um, not because I was like depressed, but because I was just really lost and I would second guess myself a lot. And I hadn't really, really, really like I had I thought I had found myself in college. And then after I graduated was when I was like, oh, I don't know anything, but I was trying to prove to everybody that I did. And so I found myself, yeah, like saying things in social, social situations that weren't necessarily true to me. And now I've gained a real redeemable sense of authenticity. When I show up in a space, I just let it all hang out because I'm like, I just don't have the energy anymore to to put on a uh, on a front. But even still, sometimes if I'm already a little just down that day, depressed, I will be like more more critical of myself. So I I I do hope and wish and pray that that um, that stays in April for you and does not travel forward. Bella in Brooklyn, who's 25, said that he's leaving maladaptive daydreaming. Regular daydreaming can stay, though. And uh, yeah, 
April was a lot of maladaptive daydreaming. You, I already told you I've been writing poetry and listening to Born to Die, so I don't know why that would even be a reveal. Like, you should have already known that. <laughs> I'm getting into my regular daydreaming bag, though. Sam, who's 28 in Calgary, Canada, is leaving a city that I thought I could resonate with, but turns out it kind of sucks and was terrible for my mental and physical health. This granola girl needs mountains. And now I'm confused because I'm like, I thought Calgary was a mountain town because that's where I flew into when I went to Banff. But maybe maybe where you were before is where you're leaving. So anyway, um, yay, Canada. Okay, uh, Leo who's 27 in Taiwan, Taiwan, is leaving dialing down my gay self at work, not following up on big ideas, aka creating a queer space for my colleagues at work ahead of Pride Month, and not eating enough fruits. And I love that. And I, I do hope you ditch those things in April. It's really hard. Like, it doesn't, like, it. I obviously am not gay, so I don't have the experience of having to, like, be closeted or, like, hide my sexuality or, like, tone it down. But but in some respect, there's a lot of ways in which we feel like our our identities aren't acceptable in like a professional environment and we're not able to be our whole selves. And I talked about that in my like um, my sort of like year year reflection on unemployment video. So I I feel for you. And like that's such an icky, icky feeling like when you're not being true to yourself. And I think I think creating a queer space for your colleagues will be really, really healing like to find affinity there and find solidarity. Okay. Now we'll move on to what are you taking with you from April into May? Let's hear it. And the first person we're going to hear from is none other than Abby, who's 24 in North Carolina, a beloved book clubber. And accordingly, she is taking the spirit of joy and creativity cultivated in the Artist Way book club. One thing about me, I'm gonna inv- I'm gonna evangelize the shit out of that book and evangelize the shit out of that book club. And my friend Sean gave me the second book in Julia Cameron's Artist Way trilogy, so I'm reading that now to ascertain whether or not I want to do like an alumni book club for the next book. Hayden, who's 19 in Pennsylvania, is taking freedom, sun, and sundresses with like 17 s's, um, and that's real as hell. Like. I want to take the sun with me forever. I'm such a little soleil girl. Like I love to worship the sun. When I was in Denver, I was like, oh, I need to just like export this weather everywhere. Like I love Seattle, but if I could put the weather of Denver into Seattle, like I would, it, it that might be too much, you know, like that might be too much. No place can be that perfect. Okay. And actually we have a Coloradan weighing in, Trav, who's in his mid 20s is taking his daily long walks. I'm lucky to live across the road from a beautiful neighborhood with grassy trails weaving among large properties. It's quiet and removed from roads and traffic. As the days have grown warmer, I've treasured putting an audiobook and having someone read me a story. <laughs> I've treasured putting an audiobook on and having someone read me a story as I walk for a couple of hours. I love feeling the warm sun, smelling the grass and pine trees, looking at the beautiful homes, and even appreciating from afar some of the horses and their stables. I stumbled upon these trails several weeks ago, and I'm happy I get to enjoy them throughout this summer. And Trav, that's exactly how I felt on my wandering journey. Like, oh, it's just so good for you. And 
serendipitously, that's actually what the second book in the Artist Way trilogy advocates for is adding like a walk to your weekly routine, like a wandering spell. I think daily could be really powerful. Okay, Joy, who's 25 in Michigan, said that she's taking a chance on strangers because maybe they can become friends. Been in my current city for a few months now, and I got two new numbers in my phone in the last week alone. Someone I met at a pot painting event at my apartment complex and somebody else I chatted with at a volunteer event. And I am so inspired by you, Joy, because that is something I'm truly not adept at is converting friends. Um, I've also been uh, like ruminating on extroversion as a strength finder event like I don't think all extroverts are just good with people in all ways like I feel like I'm a retention extrovert and there are um, conversion extroverts and I'm a retention extrovert because I'm good at like keeping my long distance friends and FaceTiming and audio messaging and having them visit and like doing that but when it comes to like meeting someone at the farmer's market that you think is cool and you want to hang out with again like I am trying to put myself out there more and like get to the next um, stage. So I'm really impressed with you for taking a chance on strangers because there is a beautiful uncertainty and mystery to that. What could happen? Olivia, who's 27 in Connecticut, is taking knowing that I trust the universe and that everything that's coming to me will come at the right time, aka divine timing is everything. Yes, trust the timing of your life. I believe in that wholeheartedly. Okay. And then I did ask, like, I wanted to see if any of you, I didn't want to specifically ask, do you have any foils in your life? Because I just didn't think that would translate. But I asked as the third question, is there anyone in your life who feels like your opposite in one or many ways? How so? What have you learned from them? And um, I wanted to highlight this response from Midge, who's 25 in Denver, another Coloradan. And this really embodied to me the spirit of a foil, which is why I wanted to share it. She said, my childhood best friend Madison is my polar opposite. We've known each other since we were three. And despite growing up in very similar environments, we literally could not be more different. I've always been a very regimented rule follower, whereas Madison was a free spirited wild child. I took AP classes and Madison went to a remedial high school. I'm an engineer and Madison makes herbal tinctures for a living. I often find myself envious of how authentically Madison is able to live her life. She cares very little about other people's expectations of her and has always followed her passions. Her creativity and ability to produce incredible art in all forms is amazing. As someone who took the more traditional path in life, I often find myself wondering what it would be like to care less about people's opinions of me and feel free to live more authentically. And I think that speaks to exactly, exactly like what I'm speaking, like when you can kind of look at somebody and see maybe like a version of who you could be, it's it's just like so, so profoundly powerful. And then the second one I wanted to share was from Grace, who's 26 in Durham, North Carolina. And she said, similarly, I realized through TikTok that I'm a giver in conversations. I'm always asking people questions to get conversations going, but get a little annoyed when people don't return the favor. I noticed that my friend group is all takers. They have funny stories and interesting little bits to add to convos. But when I'm when I ask them a question, for example, how are you doing? What's new? The conversation slows down. I've learned that they respond more when I make a statement rather than ask them a question. I'm trying to be more of a taker in conversations to add more flavor and speak my piece. And this is also what I appreciate. Like I asked the question, like, what have you learned from your foil? And this is exactly what I mean. Like, I think a really easy way to find out more about yourself is to look at the contrast. Like, oh, 
I know that I'm a giver because when I'm around all takers, there's a little bit of like a dissonance there. Or I know I'm an extrovert because I always find myself dating introverts. Like that's just always how it happens and like opposites attract. So um, yeah, I I really appreciated this also because I, I also made a TikTok on givers and takers. I'm not sure if that's how you found it or whatnot, but I am very much a taker i'm very much taker i like to like posit things obviously just basically in conversations i like to just have this podcast live and then have somebody weigh in and throw their opinions back at me literally like what i'm doing right here like i said talked about my foils now i'm talking now i'm reading about you guys talking about your foils no no sort of well i guess i did ask you guys a question disregard everything i'm saying (laughs) okay we'll end on question number four are there any little mysteries or puzzles in your life you're trying to solve right now? Which connects to the TikTok that went viral. I just wanted to know if any of you are experiencing that. And there are some interesting ones here. Katie, who's 24 in Boston, said, just what kind of workout is my upstairs neighbor doing every damn day at 8 a.m.? Are they jogging in place for 30 minutes straight? Because it kind of sounds like it. I don't want to be nosy, but I'm so curious. And my God. Like Katie, neighbor mysteries, some of the most enticing. And that's something I'm going to talk more about on my... Actually, I have like a neighbor mystery to put on YouTube and TikTok. But um, other neighbor mysteries, like one of my neighbors, I think, is a smoker. Because I recently watched a TikTok about like smoker's lung or like smoker's cough. And it's like... This person's been living here for like five months. This is the first time I've heard it. So I'm like, I don't know if you just recently got to the stage where you have it. But I know this person smokes. And then sometimes I'll hear like really interesting music coming through the other wall, which doesn't really correspond to the usual kind of music I'd associate from someone who drives a motorcycle and looks like Danny Trejo, but um, we'll let that go. But I hope you do find out. Okay. Bella from Brooklyn again said, for like a month or so now, somebody has been religiously watching my Instagram stories from an account that follows no one, which means they're not following me. They have no posts, no profile picture. Seems like a burner account. So they're looking up my profile every day to view my story. Why would some random stranger go to such great lengths to watch on private? Why not just follow me? That doesn't make sense at all. I sort of hope it's my crush. (laughs) Of course you do. Of course you do. Because we endorse crushes here. Or what if it's a celebrity who doesn't want to be conspicuous? That would be a fun twist. It seems like their time zone is somewhere in Asia or Australia from the time period that they watch during. And I don't know anyone IRL from that area. So it can't be an ex or an old friend or enemy. That's where my head went first. It's like an ex, you know, ex friend, ex lover. But maybe they're so paranoid that they're going to figure out their identity. They try to watch in off times so that you don't see it, you know, right when it happens. I don't know. But that is truly truly delectable okay now now we have well this is actually a pretty pretty good mystery cassie in maryland who's 23 said that she's currently trying to figure out how to befriend my neighbors my boyfriend and i have been speculating about their lives since we don't know much about them and um i i haven't gotten to the point where i've befriended my neighbors we're like on speaking terms we'll like say hi in the laundry room but like I'm not going over to their places, but I want to get to that point because I want to see how they've decorated their parallel lives. They're my foils in some way. And 
Uh, another great foil analysis. When I was in Denver with my friend Maytal, she lives in a duplex and the other place they share a wall and it's the exact mirror of their layout. And she wants to know so badly, like, which room do they use as their bedroom? Like, how do they have it set up? Like, what's their situation like? She wants to see so badly. And the only way you get there is by befriending your neighbors. So befriending your neighbors, a very comradely thing to do, whatever, for whatever reason. But seeing how they decorate could be could could give you some ideas. Sid, who's 29 in Alaska, let's go Alaska, um, said that he's trying to figure out how the heck to prepare for being a dad. And I love that you wrote in. I love that I have a future dad in my listener listenership. Um, couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. that That's a mystery. That's a puzzle. Okay. Um, B in Maryland, who's 21, said that he's trying to figure out why I care about my ex-best friend still, why I want to know how she's doing, and thinking about her in a, in general from time to time. She literally traumatized me and was toxic to me along with her boyfriend, LOL. So why is she still in my thoughts? And that's the crazy thing. Like, it's hard to get out of this spiral. Like, sometimes you're just stuck on that loop. And it's like, when am I going to break free of this? And then six months later, you're finally like, I'm not thinking about them anymore. And I tend to take the kind of like, run down the road approach of just like let me actually just write poetry about them and think about them so much that I just like exhaust it you know like every time they pop up in your head like get it down on paper like release it from yourself so it's not just like trapped in there you like give it a you like give it away this is not an advice podcast but and you weren't asking for advice (laughs) I'm just helping and trying to help you guys solve your mysteries um anonymous in Ohio said that they're trying to figure out whether to move to a new city. I've been in my current location for about eight years and I'm kind of over it, but two very, very close friends are moving here soon. And all of a sudden my social life is thriving. Is the universe trying to tell me something? That's a test. That's a test. That's the universe throwing a test in your face. Like, okay, do you actually want it that bad? You know, if we send you two friends, is that going to make the city worth it for you? Like how much do you actually want to skip out and leave. And I mean, there's no rush, you know, like if your two friends get there and it gives you a sense of novelty and it refreshes it for you. Great. I think generally living close to your friends is going to provide a high quality of life, but could go either way. And I, I trust and believe that you will find the right thing. Um, Amelia in Yorkshire, England, who's 15, is trying to figure out if this boy wants me back. It's been ongoing for a while. Oh, obviously I'm a Pisces and I'm such a big fan of yearning. <laughs> and reflecting back on a lot of the little crush, you know, delusion ships, whatever people, imagination ships I've had. Some of them were not just, some of them were not that, um, imagined like when I go back and I look at the messages I'm like no like we had we had a vibe going we had a vibe going so Amelia shoot your shot shoot your shot kill the crush like get to the get to the conclusion you want to get to the yes or the no like you want to free yourself but do you want to free yourself now or later that's the question and last but not least Robin in the Netherlands who's 19 is trying to figure out their gender LMAO and isn't that one of the biggest puzzles of our humanity is what that even means to us so I give you all the faith in the world and the 
self-assurance in the world to find that for yourself. And now I will close the laptop lid and send you off into May. I'm so glad you're still here with me to enter this new month. I hope all the things you're trying to take as you listen to this podcast stay with you, maybe even longer than May. And yeah, I really do invite you to like think about these prompts and um, center on them yourself. Like even if you're not writing in a response, like I want this to be an opportunity where you really do get to center on how this last month was for you and what you want to take from it, what you want to leave from it, what themes appear that you want to continue to think about. Um, it's just, a, it's just, I really do. I, imagine that I like something that I created. Sometimes you create something and you like it. And I like this podcast and I think we're really hitting our groove and I invite you to subscribe on YouTube if you want to watch um, video episodes here. And if not, I will see you in June wherever you are listening. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. And Kath are out.